0: Hello and welcome. This is a Brave Space podcast with Dr. Meeks. I'm your host, Chelsea Glasgow. And of course, we're here with Dr. Catherine Meeks. How are you today?
1: I'm well. How are you, Chelsea?
0: Excellent, as always. Uh, Thank you so much for tuning in, listeners. Today, we have an amazing uh, guest. And so I would love to present her. If you don't know, you need to get to know Barbara Brown Taylor. She is a best selling author, teacher, and Episcopal priest. And when I say author, I mean she's written over 15 books. Okay. And when I say teacher, I mean her impact has led her to be recognized as Georgia Woman of the Year, Times 100 list of most influential people. And when I say Episcopal priest, I mean at the heart of all she does is ministry. And so we are so glad to share space with her today. How are you? you doing today, Barbara?
2: Oh I'm swooning from your praise, Chelsea. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Listen, we are so glad to have you, um, and just crack open this conversation, uh, you know, doing my research, I saw a lot of the things that you've done, and I saw that one of the parallels about your work in the Center for Racial Healings is the priority um, and of the character trait of being brave. Right, um, the Center for Racial Healing serves as a brave space where people can come and tell the truth. And as we followed your journey and saw your courage and your audacity to make decisions that very few people have the audacity to make. We got to know, what do you define as bravery? What does it mean to be brave?
2: I guess the slogan is, it It, it uh, means you're afraid, but you keep going, right? But I, I thought about that because I knew our topic and I thought it it works two ways. One is reactive and, and bravery, when it's reactive, sees what's coming at you and reminds you to commit to a firm, nonviolent response that might just change some of the people involved. Proactive bravery for me means cultivating a spiritual practice of bravery to keep your courage in tip top shape, you know, doing something that scares you every day, even if it's just walking in deep grass that might hold a yellow jacket nest, but just doing something scary, can't predict the outcome of so that your bravery stays strong.
1: Oh, I love that. I love that idea of doing something that that pushes you, that's that calls forth courage and something as simple as what you just described, walking in the grass. I mean, that that is such a wonderful image.
2: And it can go deeper than that really fast. Where I live, if you publish a letter to the editor in the local newspaper, you'll be exercising proactive bravery. (laughs) If you, you know, seek out any situation where you're the awkward stranger, you're maybe the only one like you in the room or, um, you know, just to kind of keep it up. Because I think... I came from one brave parent and one frightened parent. And and I think out of that witness, I did decide bravery is a muscle and you really do have to exercise it.
0: Thank you for that definition of bravery. I really liked how you emphasized, you know, um, it, it's twofold, being proactive and reactive. Can you share with us a situation in which you had to be brave. When was your first time that you had to be brave and how did that set, you know, the pace um, for the rest of your life?
2: Oh, this is going to really roll back the time. But I had the, what, good fortune of going to college when the U.S. was at war in Vietnam and when the culture was really in a boiling over stage about everything resulting from four assassinations in the 60s, you know, two Kennedys, uh, a Malcolm X, and a Dr. Martin Luther King. I was coming of age during that period of time. So what I recall was being a freshman in college, and classes were being canceled, and students were threatening to take over the administration building. And it sounds silly now, but my decision was, did I dump all my classes and risk my grades and sit out in the quadrangle with everybody else? Mm, And and I did, and it was exhilarating. And and Emory actually ended up um, kind of embracing that. And the religion professors were the only ones out on the quadrangle with us. So that was a, a kind of bravery that was immediately rewarded by a new sense of community in in my college, that we were practicing civil disobedience, which is a feature of bravery. I didn't mention earlier, and that's the communal nature of it, and the way we can we can catch courage from each other. It's contagious.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely, um, I, I love that you said you're pretty much talking about the sacrifice that you had to think about, right? Am I going to stand for something or am I going to stand for my grades? Um, And I think a lot of times when we talk about being brave, when we talk about fear, um, we're trying to protect ourselves from something. We're trying to preserve something. And so, you know, is there any advice that you would give, especially in the current times that we're in now? We have to make decisions, right? Do we stand up um, and speak truth to power or do we keep our good non defiant without starting any trouble or ruffling any feathers. And I think that's a question um, that we come to today, right? Uh, What does it take to be brave? Does it take sacrifice? What do you have to give up?
2: Gosh, watching the events of the last 15 months, grades are nothing compared to not being sure if you'll come home alive if you go out to be brave. Uh, or not not being sure you won't spend the night in jail if you go out and be brave. So, you know, the stakes of the last 15 months have really soared. Um, and, and now that I'm thinking about that, I've almost lost lost track of the question. But I, I do think every person um, finds a community of bravery, but then has to find his or her own place, you know, within that community. Because honest to goodness, if if I licked envelopes and sent out newsletters with a brave community, I'd give myself at least one gold star for that. You know, though though I wasn't out on the street risking something with some public disobedience that badly needed to happen. Uh, So I don't ever like to throw a high bar out there for people because they'll just decide they can't do it and quit. And I think there are a lot of ways to be brave, and there are a lot of ways to support people who are brave um, and not be on the front line. So I don't know if that goes directly to your question, but but I do know, you know, defining the terms of bravery in ways that allow people to decide they are or are not brave is not the point. The point is to to set a, a something ahead of us that inspires us, uh, show us somebody we want to be like or be around or support. And I think the rest of it will grow in that direction.
1: I love that, Barbara. And that's one of the things that I, I find myself every day reiterating to people. I think we find ourselves in this space where folks are looking for prescriptions so they can fill the prescription and know, Where they are. Well, when it comes to this, you know, the Holy Spirit is the doctor and is giving out the energy that we need to step up to the plate. However, we are called and what the way the way that you're called won't be the way that I'm called. And I have no business trying to tell you how it ought to look. The only thing I can say is you do have to be listening and, and try to figure out if you can find a way to say yes to the call and who knows what it's going to really look like and so i really appreciate your reminding us that every everybody has got to come to some conclusion about whether you're going to stand up now or stand up later or never stand up
2: mm, that's that's a lovely way to put it because you have the call in there you have the the call and you also grant the liberation to to respond to the call yes and yes. it never hurts to put a little tiny kernel of shame in there, like that last bit, or you decide to do nothing. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> yes, <laughs> No, and, and ma'am, I don't, say, I don't want to do nothing. <laughs> and always say that that's not even that's really not one of the options if you're trying to be faithful to you know the journey. But but that's a yeah that it. We do always have choice to say yes or no. I think.
0: Absolutely. One of the things that um, I like that you said was about the community, uh, a brave community and building a brave community. And I believe that's what, you know, we do here at the Center for Racial Healing, building a brave community. Now, in your experience, would you say that the church... Um, is one of those brave communities. And I know that you had a transition, you know, from the church to a life of academia. And so uh, what was that like? Um, and what did you see the climate of the church being brave versus, you know, the the world of academics and, and that type of bravery?
2: Gosh, you know, and you used church in the singular, the church, a brave place. And I want to say churches, you know, there are churches in every kind of, Community I can think of, and some are all the way status quo, and some have shut the gates, and others have, you know, so defined the admissions for requirement and and rocking the boat is not one of them. So, so I find that that is just as different as it can be. I'm now talking to you from a, a rural community in in North Georgia, and there's only one Episcopal church in this county, and it is a small aging community. Does this surprise anyone? <laughs> and it has, it has been traditionally a brave place for starting new ventures. But I, I found when I left parish ministry from that church in 1997, and I went to a small college um, just six miles from the church, I discovered academic freedom. And that meant that I was being hired to do my work and present my research, and I didn't have any congregation, not even the board of trustees could come after me and compromise my academic freedom. They could find other things to criticize, but that was such uh, an explosion of my head. Uh, it It was a brand new bit of permission to explore and say and question and wonder and write and speak without checking with somebody first to see if I could, or worrying about the ramifications. Now, I don't think I took advantage of that, but I do remember, I think when Gene Robinson was consecrated, the first um, openly gay bishop of the Episcopal Church, the newspaper called me, and, and I gave an interview, and then the next day I went to my office and saw the president of the college coming through the door, and I said, oh darn I forgot to ask you if it was okay for me to do that and I said you didn't have to ask me and that was wonderful so that was very different you know in in a church community I felt beholden to an entire community I didn't speak for myself I spoke for everybody you know who was part of that place and that that put a different roof on my willingness to be brave at least at, at the
1: level of words
0: of language. For sure. I Oh, go ahead.
1: I was just about to say that you I, I loved your book, leaving church and your, the, the, the courage, the bravery that you uh, exemplified in being able to follow the call of your heart in that way was such an inspiration to me, though I've always been an academic and have concluded that I would not have ever survived more than 15 minutes as a priest. <laughs> because uh, because there was there was nothing in me that was ready to have somebody i spent my whole life trying to figure out how to be a liberated woman and so there was nothing that was going to be ready to have somebody say you can do this or that in the in the ways that you know a, an ordained person has to um, has to respond so i have great respect and regard for you and others that have taking those vows and being able to, to live into them in whatever ways you have. But I so appreciate the courage that you have exemplified by about following your heart. I think that, that there's so little uh, affirmation anywhere in our culture or in the church for pe- to encourage people to do that. And I think that could be helpful to us as a people if we had more encouragement to do that, to be more open, to be more willing to confess where we really are instead of having to pretend to be somewhere because of expectations.
2: Oh, and I think I want to cherish what you just said because it did not feel brave to me at all at the time to decide to leave parish ministry. It felt like failure mixed with desperation. It it, it felt like failure. And yet I want to tie that in with what you just said and say, Maybe that's part of the confession i'm I you know to to confess to myself this is not working out the way I thought it would, and my soul and my role are no longer in sync and and I'm going down with a ship here and and maybe bravery and courage comes out of that sometimes you know it's the old hitting the bottom trope of when, when you crash, it's time to be brave because guess what? There's not, you know, a ton more to lose at that moment than to try to go for air again, to try to get back to the surface where there's light and air. So I love hooking those two together, that what feels like terrible failure and desperation may just have a brave component to it.
1: I think so. And I, I, and, you know, I spend all my, I've I've spent the last 50 years trying to talk about racial healing. And I think that people don't change until the status quo makes them, you know, when it gets so unbearable, like you just described, you have to do something. You can't keep doing what you were doing. And if, and so you either do something or you die in one way or another. And so I, I feel like that, um, I say these days that i'm I'm working to help people's hearts be broken and to help people be disturbed because I think it's out of broken-hearted disturbance that people look around to see what can I do to find to recalibrate to get into a better place you know otherwise you just can stay in the space you're in and and just acquiesce to whatever is going on. And in the case of racial healing, you're acquiescing to systemic racism. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. I like that. Broken disturbance. I'm writing that down. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like it's optional, but it, no. but it really, um, <laughs> but, but to value it. You know, or when it yes. comes to not think, uh-oh, there's something bad, wrong that I'm mm-hmm. brokenhearted, or I'm disturbed to say, ah, oh, here's my opening, here here's a breakthrough place if I if I want to go through.
1: And here's a time to interrogate: What am I doing? And what? Why is it not working? And what can I do about it? I, I, you know, again, that takes some bravery too to be willing to interrogate the space you find yourself occupying, particularly when it's not working.
0: Absolutely. I love that. Um, And I think what you guys are also saying is, you know, the opportunity that we have that comes out of perceived failure. Right. And it's just that perceived. Um, And so, you know, one of the things that I learned in addiction counseling was you have to raise the rock bottom because people usually don't change until they hit rock bottom. And so instead of waiting for someone to get arrested, when we're talking about, you know, addiction therapy, instead of waiting for someone to get arrested or overdose, what you do is raise the rock bottom. And so you've kind of forced them to face their truth, to face their consequences, to face quote unquote, the failure. And when that happens, people are enlivened to change. And so I really appreciate, um, all of that insight about bravery and being courageous. Listen, we are coming to the end of this podcast episode, but guess what? We have Barbara Brown, Brave Taylor. Okay, she is going to be here with us in our next episode. So definitely, definitely stay tuned. Thank you so much for your time thus far. And if you want to continue the conversation, make sure you're following us on Facebook, and Instagram Center for Racial Healing, as well as visiting our website. We have a virtual resource library there. So please go ahead and visit our website at centerforracialhealing.org. And again, stay tuned for our next episode with Barbara Brown Taylor. We'll be back soon, but until next time, remember to always tell the truth.